church on a Sunday night. Um, I won't be with you too long. I've got a short, nice, fantastic word to share with you if I say so myself. And I want us to go to the book of Acts from verses 1 to 14. We're going to read from from chapter 2 from 1 to 13. And we're going to see what the Holy Ghost does with us today. Hallelujah. Um, I ain't got scriptures on my laptop, so I'm going to need a, need a guy to help me put these scriptures on the screen. If you've got New King James, that would be beautiful. Acts chapter 1, from verses 1 to 13. former account I made, O Philippus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he said through the Holy Spirit, had, sorry, giving commandment to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he presented himself alive after his suffering by many, infallible proofs and being seen by them during the 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come, together and asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. He also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will soon come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. 
And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were saying, staying, sorry, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of, sorry, brother of Jesus, you know, son of, <laughs> whatever that name says, and Simon the Zinniot, <laughs> and Judas, the, the good one, the son of James. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Can I get Acts 2, 1 to 14? Is there any way possible that I can get like two lines? Really, I'm in my flow when I'm reading my thing still. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house of where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And with this sound, sorry, and when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are these not all who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites. Those dwelling in Metapasopia, God forgive me, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, all of those wonderful names, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Wow, there's a lot of people here. We heard them speaking in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So, they were all amazed. And perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Verse 13. Others mocked, saying, they are full of new wine. Touch the neighbor and say, full of new wine. Hmm. This is a very interesting um, two chapters as well out here. Obviously, we're seeing the birth of the ecclesia, the church. We're seeing a beautiful day called Pentecost. And we're seeing God do something new. No pun intended. Something new that the unbelievers, the Jews from every nation, were amazed 
bewildered, but some mocked, saying they are full of new wine. And I find it interesting that it was a mocking and not, you know, necessarily them saying a confirmation. But in doing so, these unbelievers were confirming a prophetic utterance on Jesus many few years ago about there will be a day of a new wineskin and a new wine. And I'm very much convinced in this new era we're in right now that what God will lead us to do and to become and to express, it won't be through the mouth of our beloved prophets that will confirm it's something new, but it will be those outside. By the sovereignty of God, that may mock us and think, what are you guys doing? But in that, we will see prophecy fulfilled. Now, I do want to talk about new wine, but the Lord said you need to focus on how you get to the new wine. Because the new wine isn't something that I think anybody could um, say they know what it's going to be. Because it's as the Spirit gives utterance. What we can do is position ourselves to be, or to be conduits, or custodians of how that new wine will be expressed. You guys follow me here, yeah? So there's a particular verse in chapter 1, verse 4. If I can get that on the screen, please. He says to them, after he was spending time talking about the kingdom of God, 40 days, showing them that he's real, he says to them, being assembled with them, he commanded them. Somebody say commanded. Not give them a choice. Commanded them. Not to depart, but to wait. Put your name and say wait. For the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me. The key word that I want to look at is the word wait. And I want to holding that word today because during worship, worship prolonged, even past its set time, something happens when we choose to wait on the Lord. And I want to encourage a generation of people that this command to wait is not an option. Salvation, though we say you can choose Jesus, it's not really an option. The Bible says he's commanded man everywhere to repent. And I've come to a stage in my walk where if I learn to remove the options of doing what he has said, maybe what we say we're waiting God on for will truly happen. But then some of us don't even hear the instructions to wait because we don't spend time with him there to wait. So what happens when we worship today? If it goes on a bit too long beyond my normal personal time, I get distracted. And there's something about waiting on the Lord that's really powerful because when you say the word wait in the Hebrew, it speaks of a twister and a tying. It says literally to bind. So when God commands us to wait, he was producing the conduits of the disciple to become a new wineskin 
to be full of new wine. Because in the waiting, there's a formation that is happening called union. John 15. Abide. Another word for wait. And I've come to confess to you guys, especially this last 18 months, two years, when God said, seller on the planet Earth, it is one thing that the Holy Ghost told me to do was to wait. And in the waiting, there I discovered those small voices of insecurity. Small voices of inadequacy. Small voices of, hmm, do I really believe what I'm supposed to be doing right now? It was in that place of waiting where I was able to come into alignment with where I'm really at beyond what I was doing. There was a now a place where I was present with God. And even though everything I'm listing out sounds like negative, it was very good. Because there's something called coming to the end of yourself. That God can do a new beginning in your life. I realized that becoming a new creation was in the waiting. I realized that in the waiting, God was developing the art called patience. But he was saying, Ayo, let this patience have its full work in you. That you may be perfect. The word there is mature. Lacking no good thing. But it said, Amen. That if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And I want to encourage you with a principle that God told me. For every season or every time that we enter into waiting, God will show you a lack in your life that requires a wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4 tells you to prioritize wisdom. Acquire wisdom. In all that I get in, get understanding. So, there is an instruction this hour to wait. As we wait, God is forming us in union and we're being bound together to him and we're coming more like him. And as we're doing that, God is pouring out a wisdom that only comes from above. And in doing so, God is teaching us a principle from the beginning in Genesis. Where we see patriarchs of the old were given promises. Because remember, the instruction to wait on the Lord was to, for the promise of the Father. And we have an example in Abraham. Where Abraham, if you go to Hebrews 6, 10 to 12, God says that, I'm going to give you a son. Using this wonderful prophecy. Tells him to get up out of his land. The land that will show you. Abraham believed. And Abraham took things into his own matter. Long story short. Abraham waited. 25 years. 
And then within 25 years, a couple more years afterwards, after Isaac was born, God now comes to test Abraham and says to Abraham, surrender, sacrifice the only son in whom you love. As far as I have read in scripture, Abraham complied with no question. And I will use the wonder of myself, how and what was Abraham thinking to come into agreement with what God was saying to him at that moment. And the Lord was reminding me that Abraham waited 25 years. Hebrews 11 says that Abraham considered God was able to raise him from the dead. Maybe in those 25 years of waiting, as Abraham was being intertwined and interwoven and united with God, he was able to receive a new logic that was able to consider something at that moment in time resurrection impossible, possible. So when it came for the time for God to test him, to see and to know if he still fears him, Abraham was able to respond by faith, having with patience, hmm, through the waiting and understanding the God in whom he served, that even if God asked me to give up the promise, he can raise it up from the dead. Abraham had come to know the God of everlasting. Peek into the future and see God raise up Jesus. And give us a prophetic picture that one day God will slaughter sorry, his son for our sins. So God invited Abraham into a prophetic prototype of the future because of his faith that was married with patience. Are you guys following me here, yeah? I'm trying to show you that when you wait, when it seems that nothing is happening, God is working. God is working. In you, providing you with a perfection and a maturity that will lack nothing. You got it somewhere, guys. The popular scripture that talks about in Isaiah 40, 28, 31. Okay, get on the screen for me, please. This is Old Testament. This is where we get the popular wait on the Lord and renew your strength. Uh, I want to show you that when Jesus was commanding them to wait, he was actually giving them a principle that would teach them on how to ascend and how to become the new thing that he was doing. Can I get Isaiah 40, 28 to 31 on the screen, please? Do you not know and have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. 
He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and even young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, or those that wait in the Lord, not on, in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. When Jesus commanded the disciples to wait, it was just before Jesus ascended to heaven. And I want you guys to take this, that whenever Jesus is saying something, where he is saying it, where, what he is saying, what happens after is are all intertwined. So he says, wait, I'm going up. And when I go up, something happens in Psalms 110, where Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And then we see in Acts 2, something happens when Christ is seated, the Holy Ghost comes down. So we're seeing here a, a, a principle of, you know, whatever comes up must come down. And Jesus came down and multiplied himself through the disciples by virtue of the Holy Spirit being all of them. Isaiah 40 says something very interesting here. He says that youth grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. Here is what I say we see the Old Testament. Or we see what it means to live life before Christ. You do have a bit of strength in your flesh. You are able to do a few things. But eventually, you grow tired. Eventually, you will stumble. Eventually, you will fall. This, this is what I would call an old wineskin. Where failure will be the end of it. But Jesus says, wait. The scripture says, wait in the Lord. Before there is a renewing, there is a renewal, a recreation in Christ Jesus. There is a redemption, a restoration, all those lovely salvation terms that we use. That happens when we wait. And then he says, you will soar, you will ascend like eagles. And in that place where you now live in the spirit and not going to the flesh, you will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. He's teaching you that as we wait on the Lord, we ascend. And as we ascend, something happens in us where we are becoming that new wine skin where he is able to pour out the new wine that God is now in a place where he can demonstrate the new. I'm trying to give you the principle for what it means to become, to see what God will do through you in a new expression. And that new expression comes as we wait in the Lord. Wait. Now, what does this have to do with angel turning to. I'm happy you asked me. The wait that was instructed in Acts 1 was to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of that Holy Spirit wasn't just tongues. It was power to become witnesses. 
Now the word witnesses, if we're going to look for a definition of number two, you will see that two is a number of agreement. Two is also the number of witness. You see, a witness has to see and hear and testify of what is seen and heard. And the Lord is not in the business of raising up people and sending them out that haven't seen or heard them. The Bible says that he called the twelve unto himself that they might be with him and then sent So the instruction to wait is a, is, a, is, a, is a precursor to like, will you agree with me? I've got some things that I've settled in heaven that I've written about your lives. Will you agree with me? Will you wait that they can be established on the earth? Because when you look at that scripture in Acts 1, those disciples agreed to wait as one people. And Jesus made them wait 10 days. There's a scripture in First Corinthians that says that Jesus would appear to about 500 disciples. In Acts 1, it's 120. Some had left. And it was 10 days from that instruction to the day of Pentecost. And whoever was present in that received it. I've learned that becoming is not something that I do. It's about being at the right place at the right time. And if I choose to wait on the Lord, I will forever be on time because time is in God. This is encouraging because it means when we wait, there is a set time for when that waiting will end. And I believe that time is coming and that time is now. And in the midst of those two tensions, there's a time to wait and a time to manifest. But both those times are now. So what does that look like? It looks like urgency. It looks like daily communion. It looks like posture of, I don't know, when you're coming back, but when you come, you will find me faithful doing the last thing you told me to do. God is looking for some people that will agree with him and become his witness. And this thing is more than the power of gift and anointing, guys. That is necessary. But this witness is about how do people, what, sorry, what do people experience when they're around? You know, for God to make us lights, it means that I've been made the very essence of what will open the eyes of the blind. When Paul says, I'm a living epistle, 
He's talking about what message is your life speaking of. Can I, like John, tell you that I have testified of what I have seen, heard, what my eyes have gazed upon, what my hands have handled? So I want to really announce the instruction today, which is to wait. I really want to announce the instruction today that if you fall in, you can get back up. I want to announce today that if we're struggling to believe, we can confess that belief and say, Lord, I believe. You see, when it comes to being close to God, you are as close as your confession. What does that mean, Aya? Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. God is only one confession away from you. I just want us to rise to our feet right now. As my time is gone. Now I want us to <coughs> recommit to a lifestyle of waiting on the Lord. I want us to recommit ourselves to a lifestyle of spending time with Jesus. I want us to recommit to an understanding that with faith and patience, we will inherit the promise. I want to announce today that what God has promised you, it won't be too long now. But more importantly, you need to wait. There's something more glorious than what you can get from God. It's God himself. Because in the waiting, you are being interwoven bound, united with Christ. So even now, I want to speak to those that seem distant. You are one confession away from being right where God is. You know where he is? Right beside you, because he never left you nor forsaken. Father, we recommit ourselves to waiting on you. We recommit ourselves to becoming the new wineskin that you have ordained for this time. We recommit ourselves to the precious union and fellowship that comes with you. We choose to respond to the knocking of the door of our hearts from where you said if you were open, I will come and dine with you. Father, we don't want to be those of the old wineskin that are seeking a new wine because you said in your word it will be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But God, in your mercy, I pray over every soul today 
that as we seek to partake in the new thing that is happening in this era, we would choose the principle of waiting on you, that you might form, translate, and transform us into conduits who are able to carry this new wine expression. this in the precious most holy and glorious name that we have prayed.